Welcome to Curious with Josh Peck. Start the show. Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Curious Podcast. I'm Josh Peck, and this is my pod, and you are the listener, and you are incredible. Thank you for coming back. I can't believe you're here. I can't believe you come back every week. And if you're new to the podcast, welcome. Also, where you been? You know? We're like 21 episodes deep over here. What are you? What are you, new? No, I'm just kidding. I really, I really appreciate you coming and um, uh, tell, tell your friends. Tell, tell not your friends. Tell, tell your enemies. Tell them all. Tell, tell strangers. Tell people that you haven't talked to in years and you're like, how is Frank? I haven't talked to him in forever. I gotta, I gotta does, he, he's had, does he have the same number? Is he one of those people that changes their numbers? I, yeah. I, famous people have a, have a habit of changing their number all the time. I would assume because people get their number and then like, you know, weirdos are like, you know, prank calling them and whatnot. But it's always, I mean, there are certain people that are of a certain level of celebrity that I'll run into every, you know, like couple times a year and sure as shit, they've got a new number every time I see them. They're like, do you have my new number? I'm like, uh, yeah, it's, is it the three, four, seven? No, 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 no. No. And I'll be like, whoa, wait, hold on. And they'll be like, no, no, it's 626. I'm like, you got a whole new area code? Like, this is not just a new number. This is a new location. But I don't know. I've had the same number for many years. So maybe I'm just not famous enough to warrant a number change. But it's good to have goals. Good to have things you're working on. Um, guys, I hope you had an incredible weekend. I hope that your weekend lived up to the hype that Friday afternoon told you about. Right? Because like Friday afternoon, anything is possible. The weekend is limitless. God, so many, so many opportunities, so many, so many activities possible, so many things to achieve and to enjoy. And then God, Saturday rolls through and you slept too late. And now like, you're like, am I going to do I want to what am I going to do? And will that be fun? Because you've got like too many options. And now you're racked with fear about should I commit to something? And I know I said during the week that I was supposed to see my buddy Dirk, but God, I just don't it's, it's not going to be fun. He wants to go antiquing and that's weird. And I just God, I don't know. And and then Saturday night, you crush it, you go hard because you owe it to yourself, right? It's like all week, we're like, God, I work so hard. I can't wait to destroy myself Saturday night, you know, so I can just drink myself into oblivion and make my liver and kidneys beg for mercy. And then that's, that's how I'll reward myself. I'll just destroy myself this weekend um, for, a hard, for a hard work week. And then Sunday, you're useless, or at least I am, um, Cause I'm just trying to recover, trying to get it together. You know what I mean? Trying to, trying to get that, uh, get, get my electrolytes up and all, all my, uh, bad blood levels. Cause my hormones and my crib cycles, they're completely off cause of, uh, cause of the crimes I committed against myself the night before. <laughs> so then it's just, you know, whatever Sunday looks like it's rough. And then of course the Sunday blues set in like around 12.01 PM. And then it's just anticipation of what the week's going to be like. And how did it go this fast? And why is this the life I chose? Right? Are you anything like that? Look, if you're not, then God bless. Good for you. And look, even if you are, it's all good. You know, because you want to know why? Because you're not alone. Because we're not special. Because everyone's going through some version of it. Be it the 
the richest, most successful person in the world and, and down to the person who's just scraping by. You know what I mean? We all got issues. Everybody's dealing with something. I think. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I think. I don't know. I've met a lot of miserable, famous people. So I'm just glad I'm not that famous. That must be why I'm, I'm relatively happy. Because I'm just sort of teetering on, I'm famous adjacent, which is, which is fine with me. You know what I mean? I have settled right into mediocrity and it feels, the water is fine. Let me tell you. Um, I'm going to be a father soon and that's something I think about a lot. And I'm sorry if I talk about it a lot, but look, first time father, deal with it. It's like going to be another couple months and then over. And then I'll talk about the kid incessantly, I'm sure. Um, I'm not going to be that father that, that makes his wallpaper on his phone, his kid's face. I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm making a stand right now. I'm drawing the line in the sand. Nope. Not going to be that guy. Uh Uh-uh. I'm not going to have a picture ready every time someone asks about my kid. I'm not going to be that father. I'm going to be low key. How's your kid? Fine. Just fine. Yeah, fine. Existing. Doing, you know, baby things. Rolling. Eh. Isn't it just the best? It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Is your kid, God, is he... Is he exceptional? Tell me all the ways in which he's special. Not special. Just a baby. Doing baby stuff. Does everything babies do. Crawls a little bit. Sits. Eats a lot. Craps. Sleeps. Cries. He doesn't cry that much. Eh, repeat. Just those things. Repeat. He does what babies do. Not exceptional. Exceptionally, uh... Uh, exceptional at existing, at staying alive. Very good at, at, you know, sustaining life. But otherwise, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) If I'm that father, I would punch myself in the face. Um, Yeah, no, I I mean, I make jokes and stuff. I just don't want to be too corny and cliche about it all, but I'm sure I will be inevitably. I remember the moment we started going to like the baby doctor, like the OBGYN and, and, you know, and they would show us a baby on the ultrasound or like on this 3D imaging future thing where your baby kind of looks like an alien. And, 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 and within seconds, everything that people had said about parenthood became true. Like I started deeply worrying about a thing that is not me. And that is probably, I mean, I worry for my mom and my wife and the people who I love most. But all of a sudden there was like this tie. It was like worrying about myself only worse. And I didn't even know that was possible because I'm so self-centered and self-obsessed that whenever anything threatens me, it is literally the biggest deal. But now it was like it was like worrying for myself, but worse. It was heightened. It was like, and the control. There was just no control. And the kid is fine. Like, it's all good. But, you know, at every turn, you're taking a new test and you're praying that their brain develops and that their body is developing correctly and that all the things because you don't want them to have any challenges or life is hard enough when you're just like in quotes normal let alone if you've got some disability or or some challenge and and you know you just want them to 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 have all the tools necessary to get through life and um and it's a trippy thing and I'm in I'm in fear and anticipation of how my life will adjust and change when this kid gets here as well it should because if you're fucking going to the club three nights a week and you've got a newborn baby your priorities are um, fucked <laughs> and get it together because what why are you at the club your kid is literally at home watching baby Einstein in their high chair eating Cheerios and that is a moment you should be there to enjoy not trying to like weasel your way into some rich Russian dude who got bottle service and is surrounded by models that's not your life 
unless you're the rich Russian dude, in which case, yo, can I chill at your table next time I'm at the club? <laughs> Just kidding. Um, anyway, guys, on today's episode, Tommy Chong, Cheech and Chong, Tommy Chong, I mean, legendary comedian, actor, um, just, uh, yeah, he's, he's that dude. He's the dude. He was so nice to allow me into his home, um, to interview him. And I so appreciate it. And it's a really interesting interview. We, we cover a lot of subjects and I'm excited for you guys to, to listen. So here's Tommy. I'm at the point now in my life, I always have been, I'm a cowboy from Calgary originally. And, uh, Where they and have the singing, rodeo. And I've been playing uh, guitar since I was eight and playing for, for dances and that since I was 10. And so I'm one of those uh, uh, musicians that work because we have to. You know, I was never a guy that would sit and practice or, you know, learn my instrument at all. I, I would just play enough to, to make the money. And then I got better as I played with better guys, better people. And so my whole thing was with, it, with entertainment especially is that I, I, I can learn anything because that, that's, there's no, no, nothing you can't learn, you know. The problem with a lot of people is that they learn too much, and so they're afraid to go ahead because they don't feel that they have enough. Uh, you know, they, they put themselves up against the greats. Sure. And you should never do that. At least that, that's what I never did, because I only had to compete with myself. And that way, if I had to learn a tune, I just learned a tune. You know, I didn't have to learn it as good as someone else. And and so uh, that's that was... Uh, my uh, concept of, of being happy more than anything. Because I was happiest when I was playing music to make other people happy mm. for dancing and everything else. And so th that's been my whole life, with, especially with the, this fiddle player that I started playing with. He, he, um, he taught me two things. He says, keep it simple and give them what they want. And that was two things. And so I've kept my whole life like that. But was was was, uh, but when you're a cowboy, <laughs> you're always writing songs about your woman leaving you. Sure, country music in general. Yeah, yeah, rap. They're always bragging about posturing. You know, how, how you know how how many women they can get? You know how make love to me, baby. You know yeah. I can show you what to do. Cowboys are always saying, uh, "You picked a fine time to leave me, Lucio." You know? It's true. Yeah, yeah four you... hungry children and crops in the field. And so I've always had that, I'm so lucky to have her feeling that that it's, it's kind of melancholy in a way, mm. but it works for me. You know, it works for her too. You know, yeah, because... you don't hear a lot of rappers who are like, I'm financially responsible. <laughs> like, you know, I show my woman my respect. <laughs> yeah. We just opened oh a God. joint checking account. You know? Just a trivia thing. I, found, I, I was on the, was it the internet? Uh, yeah, Twitter, <laughs> yeah, Twitter, the, yes. Twitter. And uh, I looked at some, there was a thing about why all the statues have small penises. Oh. Did you read that? No. Cracked me up. And then they sh showed all these Greek statues in that. Small penises. And you know what the answer is? The small penis shows intellect. 
Is, ain't that a bitch? And big penises show animal, you know, uh, ignorance or, you know, bad guys, you know? Yeah. And so I said, oh, shit, I'm an intellect. Uh, me too. <laughs> oh, my God. Finally. It explains it, and yeah. yet doesn't make me feel any better about and, it. <laughs> no, but it's, it, it, it just makes so much sense, man. Because think about it. Little penises can get into places where big penises can't. I like that. You need to meet my wife, and because she, I think she'll find a lot of uh, you wisdom know, there, comfort <laughs> in these in these facts. <laughs> um, so you know, it's funny. We were talking about this before we started recording, but it's incredible. Like I can really identify with you in having my name be synonymous with another person, yeah. and being part of a duo. Yeah. Could you have ever imagined when you first met Cheech that? 50 years later that your guys, you know, that, that it would be so much a part of your story and history? Did you ever foresee that? Well, I, I don't roll that way. Yeah. I don't, I don't ever think that way. <laughs> I, I, I barely have a, enough to think about next week. Gotcha. Barely next week. Next year, forget it. I, it's too far in the future. Never thought of it. But, I, you know, in retrospect, looking back, I've always had a partner. I've always said, starting with the fiddle player, you know, Mel, the old big old cowboy. Uh, so I've always had a partner. And then my, my second partner was a, a full-blood native uh, Indian na uh, named Dick Bird. He just died recently, but he was, he was a big, tall uh, Sioux. I guess he was Sioux native. No, Sarsi, Sarsi Indian. And I, we met in Army Cadets, and he played guitar and sang. And he always had me come and accompany him you know, and when Elvis made it big, he was like an Elvis impersonator. Although he had acne and, and was he was totally native, but he put his collar up and he did a little um thing, and the girls would go crazy. And so I've always had a partner. And then my second, par my next partner was a black uh, football player named Tommy Milton, he, and he introduced me to soul music. And so then Tommy and I were partners for. A long time, we put a band together called The Shades, and we were the biggest band in, in Western Alberta for a long time. And then, then I ended up with a partner with uh, Bobby Taylor. And Bobby Taylor was a soul singer from New York, and we got a hit record, got signed with Motown. And so when, <laughs> then I got fired from Motown. That's in a whole other story. <laughs> Feel free to share. <laughs> no, I got, I got fired because uh, we were down in Motown illegally working and then we got caught because uh, some of the band came across and without the lie you know you got to lie to get in and they didn't lie and they said that we were with Motown and so they they rounded us all up and shipped us to uh, Windsor Ontario across the border right over the bridge yeah the bridge and so uh, so I had to get a green card in the meantime Bobby Taylor had split from the band and I was working with a singer called Chris Clark and I was at a gig, and I had to go back to the border to do an interview for the green card. And I told the, the, everybody, you know, connected, you know, the road manager, and they didn't know what a green card was. And so they told me, if you leave, you're fired. And I, you know, I, I was never, I never listened to people, anyway. well, especially that. You know. And I didn't bother explaining it to them. So I left, and I got my green card, but I got fired. Wow. And then Barry Gordy said, uh, um, he called me up. He said, oh, it's a mistake, Tom. You're not fired, you know. And I said, nah, I think I am. <laughs> I'm going to stay fired. 
And I told Barry Gordy, I said, I, I want to... I want to be a Barry Gordy. I don't want to work for a Barry Gordy. And he's like, I can respect that. And so he gave me uh, $5,000. And and we were together at the time. And we left to uh, California. And I was going to be a songwriter. You know, I wanted to be a songwriter. And uh, then instead of writing songs, I had to go back up to Vancouver to work on the clubs that we had, family-owned clubs. And that's when I met Cheech. And then we went, after I met Cheech, we, had, we were in the comedy team, and then we, I mean, a t- comedy group, like an improv. And then the improv broke up, and then Cheech and I stayed together. And then the rest is history. And how are you with people when they say, where's Cheech? Good. Oh, yeah. And, oh, I joke. I, you know, I'm a comedian, so they, where's Cheech? Oh, he got deported, man. You know? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Ice came and just took his ass out of here. <laughs> that, oh, that's so good. Topical humor. <laughs> man. I have the best fun. Man, my I have part- so much fun with Cheech. Yeah, on stage, we have fun. Oh, man. He hates because <laughs> there's a lot of, in the show, when we were together before, when we, for the, 20 years or so that we were together, we, we shared everything. You know, like, we're on stage. We are like, shared everything, you know. We did bits together. And, but when we broke up and I became a stand-up, uh, I have to have my alone time on stage now. Mm. And we can't go back. You can't never go back. Right. And so but now... But people want you to go. Don't hmm? you find that, that people have this obsession with nostalgia and making you go oh, back? Yeah, yeah. What do you think that is? It's, they're, they're like, anal. Yeah. You know, in their mind, a lot of those people are, you know, the salt and pepper that has to be together, you know, the knife and fork has to be together, Cheech right. and Chong, you have. Yeah, I met, we met a lot of people like that, you know. I, I think there's probably, too, a lack of growth on their end. And so... You want me to be the old me because you're still the old you. What? I don't know if well, I heard that on Oprah, but yeah, there, there, there's that. It's just the way people are, you know. But you can't discount what you built, you see. Right. And that's what when you know, Cheech and I never we weren't really. <laughs> my son was the one that that engineered our comeback. Because when we, when we got back together, we fought like crazy at first. I, I went to meet him, and we had a meeting, and, uh, and it, was, it was pretty brutal, you know, because he had changed, you know. He became himself. <laughs> he grew into himself. Yeah. That's he awesome. He grew into exactly who he is. And I did the same thing. And, but when we were together, I was always the, the lead dog, you know. I was the lead guy. I... I called the shots and he didn't want to do that anymore but I could never listen to Cheech because when we were somewhere he would say we would be drive. we never had a driver at the time and we'd be driving and I'd say is it are we going left or right he'd go left and it would be right always he always had the made the wrong choices and so I had to and I'm just as dyslectic as anybody else. And so a lot, a lot of, we missed a lot of gigs because neither one of us had it together enough to, to show up a few times. But when we got back together again, he didn't want to, he didn't want it to be like it used to be. In what like way? everybody else wanted to be like it used to be. And so, so, and I was really happy working with my wife and being on the road by myself. I was building a, a nice, nice routine, nice uh, 
you know, crowd of clubs that I could work at. And so I said, well, you know, I, after we had the meeting, it didn't end well. I went home, and I texted him. I said, it was really nice seeing you again, you know. And even though we're not working together, we should, uh, you know, we should, shouldn't be strangers. Well, my son intercepted the email, and he changed it. He says, I'd love to work with you again, man. Let's go back on the road. Let's do it again. Let's... No way. Yeah, my son. Paris. Were you happy that he did that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because I couldn't do it. My ego wouldn't allow me. Right. Cheech's ego wouldn't allow him. We both wanted it. We both wanted to get back together again because we weren't finished. Wow. And so, so uh, we had a little rehearsal here right outside the door. And it wasn't really a rehearsal. We, we, we do a car bit. And so he said, well, let's rehearse that bit. And then we put the chairs together. And I looked at him. And I said, we don't need a rehearse. He said, nah. I love it. <laughs> and we went back after all those years. We worked in La Jolla, a little comedy club there. It was magic. People was must magic. have lost their minds. They did. They of did. course. Everybody did. They, it was incredible. Can you equate, because for better or for worse, and I have a partner where we've had similar ups and downs, and, but there's something about us together that is undeniable. And I don't know if I can quite equate it anything more than when we get together, we fall into this rhythm where we both play our role and it just works. People like it. Yeah. Is that, is that the same way for you and Cheech? Totally. Can totally. you, can, can you equate it to like, or articulate what it is or it's just alchemy? Well, a lot of it, it's just, it's very spiritual. It's, it's mystical because, uh, I, like I said, I had a lot of partners, but we all eventually broke up, mainly because uh, they had different aims in life, you know. Like, Cheech wasn't my partner when we had the improv group. I had another partner named Dave, and Cheech was like, a, he was like a, an extra. He was a standby. He was, he'd write and watch, but uh, Dave was my partner, but Dave was too settled in Canada to, to ever leave you know, he was, he's still there. He's still in Demon Island in B.C. So when the group broke up, Cheech was the only one that showed up at rehearsal. And so I, I looked at Cheech. I said, I guess it's you and me, bud. And that's when Cheech started doing Dave's bits. But it was so easy for Cheech. And Cheech can do all these voices. He can do all these, uh, he can sing, and he writes. He's, he's incredible. But he never knew he could do this. Until he met me, and then because me with my background, you know, I mean, let's just do it, and so we just we we did it, and we came down to L.A., and we didn't uh, really have a, we had a Canadian act, but we didn't have an L.A. act. But when we got here, we were playing in this one club, and it was a dance club, and everybody had to stop dancing, and that pissed everybody off. Oh, I'm sure. And so. We had to do two shows, and so we did one show. Then they, everybody started dancing again, and the intermission, and, and so Cheech and I are in the dressing room thing. And I told Cheech, I said, well, come on, man, you're from here. There must be a character that these people can relate to. And he said, yeah, there's one. And I said, what is it? And he, he said, the lowrider. I said, okay. So I showed him a bit that I knew uh, this black comic used to do, a bit about driving in a car. And, and so I showed him how to make a 
car up here on stage, you know, just by cleaning it, you know, pretending to clean it. Sure. And then opening the door and getting in. And so Cheech took it from there and became that low rider. And, and then I was like hitchhiking, I was supposed to be hitchhiking. And I'm stoned on reds at the time or downers. And so I'm a downer freak and I get in his car and uh, that took, and the, the crowd went nuts. Blast it just off. ate it up. <laughs> and then we got fired. <laughs> Sounds like a good succession of events. <laughs> Hi, it's the Curious Podcast with Josh Peck Advertisement Department. Hi, how are you? Hi, we're just going to we're going to implement a quick ad in the middle of the show and then we'll just get right back to it. Okay? Cool. Thanks for listening. Anyway, did you know that Amazon Alexa comes with a wide variety of skills? They're just like apps, but you don't have to download or install them. Use the skills to play a game, relax with sleep sounds, listen to live sports, and so much more. You can browse them all by visiting the Amazon Alexa app. Just click on the Skills and Games tab or go to Amazon.com skills. You can find some of the best ones by asking Alexa. Alexa, what are your popular skills on any Alexa-enabled device? Here are a few skills you should try. Would you rather for family? I love playing games with my buddy David, and this skill asks you to make a choice between two situations. Just say, Alexa, play Would You Rather. Life hacks. New life hacks are added each week, and they're also super useful. Did you know Doritos can be used as fire kindling? I know. Say, Alexa, open life hacks and find out more interesting tricks. Try an Alexa skill today. Just say, Alexa, what are your popular skills to find some of the best skills? Let's get back to the show. Who are you? We know that somewhere in the world, someone downloaded this podcast, but we don't know anything about you. The people who support this show would love to know just a little bit about who is listening. If you have two minutes, it really does only take two minutes. Help us make the show an even better experience for you by telling us more about yourself. Just go to listenerq, L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R-Q dot com slash curious and take the short survey. You can also give us direct feedback on the show, which we would love to hear. And as a thank you, you'll be entered into a drawing for a $100 Amazon gift certificate. Yeah. Two minutes. ListenerQ.com slash curious. That's ListenerQ.com slash curious. I'm always fascinated by this because I feel like that was something of like the 60s and 70s where pills didn't have names. It was just reds, blues, uppers, downers, screamers, yeah. laughers, criers. Yeah. Like, Spreaders. <laughs> nice. Okay. I'm not familiar with those. What, quaaludes. But, but, quaaludes. They're called spreaders. Whatever happened to quaaludes, right? They got illegal. I heard they were outstanding. Oh, they were the best. Yeah. What was it like? Yeah. Xanax? No, no. Quaaludes would make you feel real sexy. Like ecstasy, kind of. Yeah, a so I've heard. Uh, uh, yeah, a little ecstasy, uh, mm. but no quaaludes had a thing of their own. You know the movie Wolf of Wall Street? Yes. He was a quaalude addict. And you know Jordan yeah, Belfort, yeah. right? That's what he told me the story about it. You know, he had a yacht sinking in a, a multi-zillion-dollar yacht, and everybody's clothes and and there's all sorts of things sinking in the Mediterranean. And the only thing he saved was his bottle of quaaludes. That's awesome. <laughs> and he had to go into the into the the hole where where everything was and risk his life, and and, and they're trying to save him. And he said, "Just a minute, I'll be right there." And he's looking, got his bottle of quaaludes, and they saved it. No, the quaaludes are very powerful. 
Everybody loved him. Everybody loved him. And then just the pharmaceutical company said, that's it. We're not making these anymore. Yeah. Well, they became illegal, I think. Yeah. Yeah, they became illegal. And, and you couldn't get them anymore. And so people just moved on. And then cocaine took over. You know, cocaine. Ah, such, such a worse drug. <laughs> Did you... Um, I, I don't like the smell. Uh, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's not the best. I'm not, I, I'm not into Coke. That booger sugar, yeah, the Ch- devil's dandruff, Ch- 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 and I Colombian calcium. Coke. We were in New York doing the bitter end for the first time, and we partied with all these guys, and they had Coke. In fact, we partied with a guy, one of the, the head of the, the, the cartel in Medellin, Colombia. Pablo Escobar? Well, his son. Uh, or what? some relative, yeah. No. He was the one that started the whole thing. Last name Escobar? I'm not sure. I'm not going to say it <laughs> just in case. I'm <laughs> yeah, it's better not. About. It was some guy. Allegedly, yes. Allegedly. Okay. He said he was in school uh, in Columbia University. And when he'd go home to Columbia, he brought back a little Coke for his, for his friends. And next thing you know, uh, he was going back to Columbia. They said, give him money. He said, we want some more of that. And... Pretty soon he's, he quit school and he was just uh, ferrying cocaine in suitcases on the plane. And they never searched it. There was no TSA, nothing. And so he'd bring all these suitcases on the plane full of cocaine and uh, get it off the luggage and take it in. And, yeah, so, so Cheech and I were doing, doing cocaine <laughs> at a party and then we had to work the next day at the Bitter Inn or the next night. We did the worst show. I bet. We were arguing before we walked off stage. We are arguing. It was a cocaine. <laughs> and we never did coke since. We, we quit. That, that was a, the, the tipping point, you know. Because if it interferes with your comedy, see Robin Williams and all those other guys, you know, Belushi. Sam Kennison, that it helped their comedy. Do you think it helped them or they were great despite the... No, it helped. It, helped. it did because oh, yeah. of the manic yeah, in nature. The beginning. It's like any drug. In the beginning, gives you wings. Yeah, in the beginning, but then then you lose your uh, uh, your mind basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the beginning, all all drugs. That's why, like heroin and all that. You know, if you could get it like Keith Richards did, then you're okay. You know. But he's a specimen. He shouldn't be on this earth. There's another guy. I was telling someone else, uh, well, my son or daughter, one of them, about. Um, uh, what's his name? The great brain surgeon that the, the, the uh, hospital is named after. Sloan Kettering? Cedar Sloan uh, It'll come to me. St. John? I always get a block with that name. The, oh, uh, John Hopkins. John Hopkins. Yeah. John Hopkins was uh, experimenting with cocaine for his operations, and he got hooked on it. And the only way he could get off cocaine, I mean, he's a doctor now. It was an experiment. And so when he got hooked, it was like, oh, this is terrible. The only way he could get off cocaine was to get on heroin. And he died. He was a heroin junkie from that point on. And he did all his operations under, while he was under the influence of pharmaceutical uh, heroin. And so if it's done properly, it, it's okay. But if it's not, it still shortened his life, you know. Oh, for it's sure. It's not good. It's not good. Is there one drug that you've seen in your experience from, you know, other performers or fellows of yours that it seems to just take people down, like an insidious... Alcohol. It, alcohol. The worst. Because it's, it's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. 
the worst. It, re re it wrecks your body. That's the worst thing about it. Pot, on the other hand, affects the brain. And uh, if, if you can handle it, you know, pot's the best. It always has been. And it's a medicine, too. You know, it, what, it, what it do, pot does, it, it calms the brain. And then when you calm the brain, because people are always in a state of either flight or fight, you know, either running or, and, and they're always, if they're anxious, that means they're worried about the future. And if they're depressed, that means they're thinking about the past. And pot puts you in the middle. Pot puts you in the now. And so you're either, you're neither here nor there. You're sitting there trying to figure out where your car keys are, you know. Or how do, how do I get out of this chair if you've done too much pot? Sure. But what it does to the body, it calms it down to the point where the immune system, all the systems in the body can kick in. And see, because the brain, the brain affects, affects. That's why people, you know, when, when their doctors will heal someone and they'll say, well, it's up to God now, you know. Basically what they're saying is that you've got to let the body do the work. And that's why when animals get sick, like a dog gets sick, it doesn't go to the vet by itself or, any, or take any medicine. It, it crawls somewhere and, and hibernates and, 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 and starves itself, you know? To repair. Yeah, to repair. And, and, and like a bear hibernating, what happens, all the systems slow down, and so your brain can tell the immune system to do its job. And that's, that's how pot works, you know, and CBD oil especially, because CBD oil won't give you the, the high that THC does. But CBD oil will give you the, it'll repair everything that, that's wrong with you. And it starts with the brain. And to that respect, is the poison in the dose, in, in that what, where is that fine line where the, the trip has stopped being about being in the now and has become an escape? Everybody's different. Everybody's different. You can't, there, there's no, no two We all are all individuals to the point that even identical twins are totally individuals, you know. And so by Twins being, are weird anyway, right? <laughs> twins, they're weird. You know, identicals? <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. Triplets too. Yeah. But we are all individuals and, and what will work on one will not work on the other. Well, it's just like, uh, like relationships, you know? You see two people together, how could she love that guy? Well, there's some kind of chemistry there. And that's the same thing as, as, as with, with us in pot. You know, some people like me can, once I found pot, that's all I needed. And I don't need to do it, by the way. It's not like cigarettes or something you need to do. In fact, I had a cold a couple of days ago and I was coughing too much and smoking too much weed because I have an app and I smoke on the app. And so I had to quit. And I've quit for a couple of days now. And, I, and it's help, happening. It helps. So, so I think the, the, strong, the strongest argument for pot is that you don't have to do it. Sure. That's the best argument. And... I think you're right. I mean, I, I had an interesting relationship with marijuana and I, I don't do anything anymore because I'm that type yeah. <laughs> and where it serves me to just kind of yeah. be uh, sober. But, you know, marijuana, and I think it's because I did it in excess and anything mm -hmm. in excess, mm -hmm. is that it was this beautiful thing for me. And mm -hmm. then, but inevitably it had sort of diminishing returns mm -hmm. that I had 
it kind of turned on me. And I've seen that with friends similarly mm-hmm. who've, you know, had a real love affair with it. That eventually it kind of like, it stops hitting that note that it once hit. It's like exercise. You plateau. If, if you do too much exercise, you will hurt yourself. So marijuana is like the elliptical exactly, machine. Exactly. Exactly. I like that. Okay. <laughs> exactly. If if uh, and then you only do it if you need to. That's what I tell people. When should I do pot? When you need to. And if you don't need to, then don't do it. And what's your preferred delivery method? I'm old school. I like uh, smoking out of a pipe. I got a. I got a tons of pipe. I, I, that's one of my uh, hobbies. Industries. Making, uh, making bongs. I went to jail for bongs. And when I was in jail, I made bongs. Really? Yeah. And, and I it's still no make more, bongs. It's I no longer bongs. license I make bongs plates. out of kombucha bottles. In fact, there is, there is one bong. There's a crystal there. You see it? No right way. There. This one here. Right, right there. Yeah. 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 I make these. That's that is high end. Yeah, this all, is beautiful. All I make, all I make, this this is a little thing for the end of a cane, and this is plastic, of course. And then what you do, then the bowl goes on top of here, and it's uh, and and I do this with with kombucha bottles, and so <laughs> I, I, I I'm obsessed with it. That could be like at Sotheby's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's I, I once uh, we did a bit where I was going to have a billion dollar a million dollar bong and i realized this is how i do it i get a t- piece of k- tiffany glass or some expensive glass and put put this on top i got a billion a million dollar bong <laughs> what do you think of those like volcanoes where i tried them the garbage bag full of vape. i tried them i tried them they're okay yeah too much work for me yeah you know, it's You're way a purist. too much work, you know. I don't, I don't like to work. I, I'm old, and, I, you know, I, if you've if you got to do a lot of stuff, dab and all that stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I've been there, done that, you know. Yeah. You, you feel you've I found... like old, old school. And I, and I like the sound of a bong. I like the way it bubbles. It's got a nice, healthy sound to it. A know? timber. A yeah, treble, and then you can clean perhaps. this. See, see, this is cleanable. You, you can scrub this out because... Some of those bongs, you know, they get so grungy that you don't even want to near near your mouth, you know, <laughs> let alone suck on it. Oh know? yeah, it gets me in two thousand and four, <laughs> in my friend's apartment in North Hollywood. You don't want to know where that bong had been. <laughs> and <laughs> um, then you spill bong water. And it's oh like, Jesus! Oh, God. No, it's like we're, uh, we're going to have to move now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm glad I never have to go to that apartment again. Um, shout out, Len. So I. Is there something, because every culture sort of has this in the respect of like, is there something about, I don't want to say marijuana culture, but of the um, corporatization or the, is there parts of it that annoy you? Like if you see it on a t-shirt or where people become annoying about the culture. Absolutely not. No, you love it all? Not at all. No, one thing I learned in prison is that you you really gotta you wake up every day and the fact that you can wake up and see the sun and and, and, and enjoy the air and, and and eat the food that's all that really matters you know and you got people that love you and you love them i am trying my best to be as non-judgmental as i can about everything and when people say to me, well, the pot today is a lot stronger than it was back then, I said, probably. 
I agree with them. Agree quickly with your adversary. But thinking when I was back then, that pot knocked me on my ass like, like it does today. So, so there's, the, the, the plant hasn't changed just because people have found it, you know, and they realized, oh, wow, you know, or because they've, they've grown it in a separate, separate different, different way, you know, or grown it indoor or outdoor. There's all that, all that stuff, scientific stuff, you know. If you use a certain pest, I mean, a, a fertilizer, it's going to give you, nah. A pot is a weed. That's why they call it a weed. It'll grow anywhere for anybody. At any time, anywhere. It's a weed. It's yeah. like a dandelion. You know? right. By the way, dandelions are good to eat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I ate them in prison. Really? Yeah, because uh, they're, they're growing all over the place, and I'd go pick up fresh dandelions, make a salad. And they had uh, rosemary, and I'd pick the rosemary and make tea. And if you know what to look for, man, you don't have to go anywhere. It's, it's right here. I can imagine that dandelions were preferable to chow, to prison chow. I only ate in the chow room, I think, one time, and it was because I wanted to, that experience. What was the meal? Oh, I, I couldn't even tell you. Slop. It was so bad. Yeah, it, it was, was like Oliver. Bad. Well, it wasn't that bad, but it was pretty bad. Yeah. It was like Skid Row, you know, just... Uh, they, they got a thing with bologna, you know. In they prison. love it in prison. And, and it's very and trendy and horrible, horrible. You know what people used to do when I was there? They would take their food and take it to the edge of the of the uh, field, and there was uh, these wild uh, gophers, uh, ground squirrels, and we'd feed the ground squirrels. And we'd tame them. We'd t- actually tame the ground squirrels, feed them every day, and they'd be waiting for you come out there. And this one ground squirrel, he got so fat, he couldn't get back in his hole. And then they found him a couple of days later up in the light uh, stand at the top, you know, about 50 feet up high, because the, the, the hawks would be sitting up there watching these ground squirrels get all fattened up for them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they would come down. And the ground squirrels would be always eating, but they'd be always looking up in the air to, you know, they'd eat their food. But the ground squirrels got addicted to all that bad food. <clears throat> I never ate it at all. I, I, I was, I hooked up with a, like a Goodfellows crowd where we cooked our own meals. Or we had a cook. Was it like the scene in Goodfellas? Yeah. You're like chopping garlic and exactly. whatnot. Three course meals. We would wine? Spend, we would spend two, no wine, but we would spend uh, Eric uh, Larson. He's a, a golf caddy for pros. He's on the tour now. He was doing uh, about 11 years for selling cocaine, even though he never, it, it was a bogus uh, rap. But he was a cook. He, he, and he ran the garden too. He, he, we had a beautiful garden, all the vegetables, and I ate healthier in prison than I ever have in my life. He would make these burritos, because we weren't totally vegan, we'd have chicken. And so he'd make these burritos. The first time he had him put, give me a burrito, I took a little bit and I passed it on to the next guy. I thought it was uh, communal. a communal thing, and he said, no, that's yours. And I said, I can't eat all this. But guess who ate all that? Crushed it. (laughs) Oh, it was so good. Hey, let's try another ad, shall we? Did you know that every episode of Curious is now on Spotify? Yeah, cancel Christmas. You're welcome. 
The same app that has millions of songs now also has thousands of podcasts. On Spotify, you can listen to all your favorite shows. Uh, you, well, you know what's your number one favorite and discover new ones. And uh, you can subscribe to our show. Just search for Curious, tap follow, and get every new episode delivered to you. Podcasts on Spotify. They're streaming right now and now and now. All right, let's get back to the show. I have a lot of questions about the joint, but the last thing I want to say about marijuana is, do you ever brush up against the names of certain things? Because I think at this point, people have lost their mind, where it's like, this strain's called dyslexia, or like, this strain's called that's, Margaret uh, Thatcher. Like, that's, that's a human trying to get a handle, mm. get a control. Yeah, and you know, that's and what they're trying to do. Marketing. They're, 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 the government right now and the and the big companies they're trying to get a control, uh, a point where they can control it, where they can say, "Oh, I've I've got blueberry, and you can't get this anywhere but here." No, it's a weed. It grows anywhere for anybody. It's here to stay. And I don't care what you call. It. They asked me, "What's your favorite strain?" I said, "Marijuana is probably my favorite strain." I like that answer. Yeah. Or they say. Uh, do you like sativa or, or uh, indica? I said, depends on what, what I'm smoking. <laughs> if it's a, a sativa, I love sativa. If it's indica, I love indica. You know. Recently, my buddy Len and I, and we both don't smoke anymore, but in our day did, did a lot of research. And yeah. we went to one of these fancy you know, marijuana stores yeah. in, in, uh, near the beach. And someone comes up and is showing him a strain. And he's like, this is lemon cookie zest. And, you know, and it's it's got top notes of, you know, passion fruit. And my buddy looks at it and goes, you know, back in my day, (laughs) we used to call this stress. (laughs) Like, like, this is trash. (laughs) Like, they were like, no, no, it's it's lemon cookie bread. Hey, we used to sell uh, little pinners made out of uh, marijuana dust, basically. And... They, they they were so small they would look like toothpicks, and they were sold for a dollar a piece. Yeah. But it helped the band get through the set. We would we would share one of those little joints, and it would be enough. Because what happens with marijuana, it's like I say, it affects the brain. So even the word marijuana, even the word, even the the sound of my voice has enough THC in it to trigger the brain that people... That's why they loved our record so much, because people could get stoned without getting stoned, just listening to us. Yeah. It's contact. a suggestion thing. It's like hypnotic. It's like what Trump's doing to the world now. He's hypnotizing everybody. He hypnotizes. And that's what, uh, that's what marijuana does, too. It, it can, it's, it's just like it affects the brain. Therefore, if you even mentioned or talk about it like you you, you i know that you that you will get a a, a buzz just right. talking about it yeah i'm feeling it now <laughs> and i want to tell you guys it's incredible <laughs> i don't exactly know where i am but i'm i'm rolling with it <laughs> you know speaking of trump and sort of what happened with you going to prison in 2004 it was so based off of a um a ridiculous regime that was in office and it had so much to do with politics. Are, are you like pulling your hair out, seeing this sort of happening again? Oh, no. No, no I'm loving it. Yeah. Oh, I'm one of those. I, I predicted Trump. Did you? I, I You know, in my own weird way, I, I, again, I'd piss a lot of people off because I, I, I said it wouldn't be bad if he won. And they would say, why? I said, well, because he's a builder. 
I says, and if he did win, the only thing he knows how to do is build. So I, I envisioned infrastructure happening all over because as a builder, he, he would get all the, the contracts and he would be rich beyond, beyond anybody's uh, imagination. But however, because of who he is, uh, he, you know, Trump, here's the way I describe Trump now. Trump is like a wild animal loose in your house. And if you mess with him, he'll crap all over. He'll, he'll do all sorts of weird things. So what you got to do, you got to open the door, show him a way to out, and you got to put some food out there. <laughs> and you got to entice him to go out. And you got to calm him down. You don't want to get him upset. Because that's what they're doing now. See, here's what happened with Trump. I, I, it's a, it's a, on your podcast, it's, it's a, a lot of people don't agree with me. But here's what happened with Trump. He is a con man. He just wants money. And he doesn't really want the money, but he's a rich con man. He's like a, a trust fund baby. Now, trust fund babies, the one thing that they have in common is that because they don't work for anything, they don't appreciate anything. They don't build anything, so they don't have any feeling for anything, including relationships or anything else. Anything they want, they buy. And when you get a trust fund baby, a toy at Christmas, for instance, the first thing they do is try to destroy it. That's why they make toys, expensive toys. They make them almost indestructible. But they still, all they want to do is destroy so they can get another toy, you see. And that's what Trump is like. He's like a, a trust fund baby. Now, he did not want to win the presidency. Oh, he I don't just think so. wanted to run for the presidency. He's a, like a hack comic that had a built in crowd. And so he wanted to get up there and then he trolled. And so what he did. He, because he was broke, he went to Russia. Russia says, okay, Donald, we'll give you the money you want, but you're going to run for president. And Donnie says, hey, no problem. You got it. Putin, I'm in. Yeah. And so he tried to lose. And just like the movie, uh, you know, where the, the producers, the more he tried to lose, the more people re identified with him and the more they liked him. And the harder he tried to lose, the more disgusting he got, the more popular he got. Because ever watch American Idol where the bad singer was on and everybody kept voting for him because it just tore everybody up? Sanjaya? Yeah, cause, and, he, and he's on again. Oh, But it had everybody. It's a trolling method. So Trump thought he was going to lose. He had a losing party arranged for that night. But instead, he won, thanks to the Russians. And once he got in, and then, here's my other theory. The FBI has been investigating Trump since Trump went off on the birther ramp. So, because Obama's a president. You're attacking the president. FBI, CIA, everybody went after Trump. And when they went after Trump, they found Trump. They found all the, 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 the mess about Trump. They've been known about Trump since Obama's been in president, in, in power. Now, it looks like Hillary's going to win. Now, if Hillary wins, the FBI doesn't have a case anymore. And they're hunting this guy. The FBI wants this guy. And so they've got to make it so that Hillary doesn't win. Because they know what Trump's thinking. He wants to lose, and he's going to walk away with all the money. He's going to walk away free. So Comey sabotages 
the election at the last minute. Hillary loses. Trump's in power. Now Trump is, he's devastated. Heavy. Melania, Melania, they're all mad. They're crying. <laughs> you, could, you said you weren't going to win and you won. Now they're under White House arrest. Totally. And it's a total step down from Mar-a-Lago, the White House. I mean, have you seen his hotels? They're much, they're much nicer, I'm sure. <laughs> he hates that I'm job. Sh- he must hate he it. He hates. And so he's doing everything in there. He's that wild animal in the house. He's getting the worst people. He wants to tear up the, uh, the, uh, the Clean Air Act. He wants to destroy the housing. He doesn't care. He wants to support the Nazis. He wants to do everything he wants to do. But America's uh, constitution is so strong, and the judges and that, they're so strong that they're just checkmating, check, stopping them at every, every turn. And now, and Kelly, by the way, was sent there. There is a shadow government. It's called the military, because they're the ones that are in charge of the atomic, uh, you know, the, the nuclear, nuclear weapons. And so the military says, Kelly, get in there. Keep an eye on Trump. Kelly's in there. Because Kelly even said that. I wasn't sent here to change the man. Sent? Who sent you? He was hired, supposedly hired by, by Trump. No, he was hired by the Republicans. And, they, and so Kelly's got a, got a lock on him. Everybody's got a lock on him. And now, as Mueller <laughs> gets closer and closer, they've got all the evidence they need to impeach him. But they're not going to impeach him because he's still doing what they want him to do. They, they cut taxes, they got military budget, they got everything the Republicans want, they're getting it. But do you think that, my friend has this theory, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it as far as Trump goes, because, you know, whether or not Russia did interfere in the election, and it's proving that they probably did, in my experience, I've come into contact with a lot of Trump voters and a lot of people that were behind them. And even more upsetting were people that just who said who were like me, like left leaning liberals from coastal cities who said, I don't agree with him, but I can't vote for her, which was even I was like, you're you're crushing me. But my buddy said, we got the president that we deserved. He's a fucking representation of we as a people. And, and this is, you know, it's, it, yeah. Well, you can look at it that way, but you don't want to, you know, you don't want to take these things personal mm. ever. You know, that's why you lose sight. You know, as far as Hillary goes, Hillary, yeah, Hillary was trying to have the throne, the crown passed to her. You know, that doesn't work that way. You know, and and so Obama was really, and everybody, the Republicans, everybody else, he said, well, she deserves it. She's she's a woman. She's she's got a lot of great ideas. She's she's going to do great for the country. Everything else, and and they're right. They're absolutely right. Uh, but she's still uh, she's got all that Bill Clinton baggage. Sure. You see, and so uh, we would have been better off with Elizabeth Warren, if if you want to get real, and not Bernie. No, not, not Bernie. Bernie. Not Bernie, because Bernie's too old, too set in his ways, and he's and he's too pedantic. Old. Yeah, he's too weird. But and but you need youth in there. If, you need youth. I gotta say, if Tom, or if Bernie Sanders can't get a Tommy Chong endorsement, he was never gonna make it. I was trying. <laughs> I know I endorsed Bernie in the beginning. Oh yeah. And then the then there were some people that wanted me to introduce him at a rally, and then Bernie's people 
nixed it. They said, no, no, they don't, they don't want to be so associated with Tommy Chong. Oh, give me a break. I'm telling you. That's backwards thinking. Yeah, I know. I know. But, uh, you know, there is a part of me that feels as though the people were dissatisfied with the status quo of how they imagined that politics worked, be it left or right. And so there was like, and my same buddy always calls it like anarchy light, where mm. they were like, we need an outlier, someone to fix this screwed up system that it seems that anyone that's groomed from the beginning in it is incapable of doing. Unfortunately, they picked the wrong fucking outlier in this guy, Donald Trump. Like, they just saw him... I, I disagree with you. Yeah? Totally, totally. Donald Trump is a, 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 is a product... We're in a physical world, okay? For every action, there's a reaction. For every Barack Obama, there's a Donald Trump. And it has to be that way because we're in the physical world. It's Balance. a teeter-totter. You know, just because you're on top, you're on top until the other guy pushes you up because there's nowhere to go except down. And so that's where the country was at. Now, now look at the, the good things that came out accidentally with Trump. North Korea, Iran. These are good things. See, other than that, they were treating Iran like they, they were a true uh, nuclear power. And, and, and North Korea is like, oh, this is a true, you know, like they're, they're like China. They're the boogeyman. And Trump comes along and says, yeah, these are punks. You know, hey, scrap that deal. You know, you, you mess with me. I got all these nukes. I'll, I'll, I'll eliminate you in, in a, and immediately. And so, so North Korea said, oh, that guy's crazy. And so, okay, we better talk to him. Iran, same thing, you know. Uh, the people, you know, they, they, no, Iran was on our side until, uh, you know, the, those, uh, the mullahs took over and, and it started the revolution and that. Most people, especially in Korea and that, like Korea's getting together, North and South, they're, they're getting together now because of Trump. Trump saw the guy was a punk. He says, this guy's a punk. I, I know because I'm a punk. They know each other, and same as Iran. They, they know each other. They're on the same, but Barack Obama, because when you get to high level, you're dealing with intellectuals talking to intellectuals, you see. And, and so what, when you got down into the ground, into the dirt, now you've got Trump talking to Kim, Kim Jong-un. Perfect. Like, like Putin and Trump. Perfect. They're, they're talking. We don't want to hear what they're saying. Because what they're saying, Putin's saying, look, Donnie, I give you all that money. If you don't do what I say, you see that guy that got poisoned? You notice that I poisoned his daughter? That's the message there, Donnie. You mess with me, you're going out, and your daughter's going out. And so Donnie is like, oh, okay, uh, Putin, what do you want me to do? But they, don't, they can't trust each other. And the American system is so strong, it's so beautiful. Checks and balances. All we have to do now is get a hold of the, get control of the house, which we're doing. Think so. Oh, we're going to do it. But he has installed some some pretty conservative Supreme Court justices, or at least one, and maybe a second. We've gone through it. Look at me. I went to jail for a bomb. Yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> I mean, is that the most? How do you reconcile this, that? This is this is uh, George Bush. In, and this in is this house, George Bush was attacking Iraq for lies, you know, the weapons of mass destruction. And so they went after me for a distraction. 
called uh, Operation uh, Pipe Dreams. And so they put me in, in, in jail, and they put all the bond companies out of work, and, 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 and they still and they attacked Iraq, and look what's going on with that. You know, look how that turned out. You know, so, so Bush was way off course. All those guys were way off course, but they have intellectuals talking to intellectuals. And so they, they, they give you this gobbledygook that, well, there, was, there, there could have been weapons of mass destruction, blah, 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 you know, all that crap. That's why I love what Trump is lying, and he tells you he's lying, and at least he's out there. And, but the, the, and everything that he's trying to break, he can't break. The rich kid can't break those toys. He's not going to turn back the, the windmills. You know, he's not going to stop wind or solar or electric cars. He can't stop it. He can't, like stopping the computer. He can't stop all that stuff. It's all rhetoric. You know, and by the, by the time, when we get out, because the FBI, remember this, the FBI and the CIA have got some of the most intelligent people working. They, they know what's going on. They, they're way ahead of the game. And so we, all we have to do is relax and make sure we vote. Our, and then that's the other thing Trump did. He woke everybody up. Now you've got people in the streets. You know, they're, they mobilize stuff, you know. Before that, if the Nazis marched, no one would have showed up. Who cares? You know, some idiot, you know. But now, Nazis show up, boom, there. And by the way, the thing, kids at the border, that's another thing. That's, you know what my take on that is? Kids at the border are getting an education that's going to propel so many of them into, into America mainstream and educational things because that's strength. They're learning English. They're not only learning English, but they're learning English in jail. They're learning the real English. They're learning the real America. You know, the parents, they're, they're illiterate. They're, they, they show up at the board with their kids thinking they're, they're going to be treated fairly. Well, wait, but, you're saying what they're learning in the refugee camps? Yeah. So you're saying it's good? Absolutely. Oh, Tommy, a lot of people would disagree with that. Well, I, I know, <laughs> because on the, uh, when you're looking at it, now, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm talking from experience. Mm. I was put in a home. First of all, I was in a, in a hospital when I was four years old. I don't even remember being home with my mother. My first, memory, my first conscious memories was being in a hospital. So I have no feeling. I had no feeling for my mother or my father. All I had feeling for was the people that were waiting, that were tending to me. And they changed all the time. I was me, and then then from the hospital I went into a home, like an orphanage. Sure. And and again, my dad, who I barely knew, I never saw my dad till I was about three, four, something like that. He he was in the army, and he got out of the army, and then I was born, and obviously, and then. But my dad took me from the hospital and took me to the home with a stack of comic books and some clothes, and he handed. The, the the lady the clothes and the comic books and then they put me out on the little garden area with the crayons and 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 I and then my dad said goodbye to me and and, that, and I hadn't seen it. then I, I never saw him again for about almost six seven months something like that and uh, they took the I never saw the comic books again but I was never attached to anything see sure. I went from one day to the next. See, that's what kids do. They go from one day to the next, one meal to the next. And they're not, there's no pattern for them. But would you say that, you know, because 
we could debate the politics at nauseum, but there are probably studies that would say that institutionalization of a kid at a young age is, for the majority, not as good as being in a traditional family home, right? I mean, that's, we... the, that's the physical universe. There's no Ozzy and Harriet life here, man. That's an anomaly. That's you see that on TV. How many kids have got a drunk dad or no dad? You got a got a, a teenage mom that's being raised by their grandma. You know how many kids are uh, homeless right here in America? Homeless, living on the streets, living in the cars. Millions of them, tons of them. We're in a physical universe, man. We're here to learn, and that's what those kids are doing. They're learning. They're learning. They're, they don't, they're, their life doesn't stop. See, that, this is what the liberals do. This is the problem with liberals. They, they, they feel how they would be affected, you see. But they're, they're not them. Think of what they're running away from. They're running away from violence and death and destruction, and, and they get to the border, and all of a sudden they're split up. Oh, okay. Uh, it's better than being killed. Better than being being murdered in 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 Guatemala or wherever the hell they are. But and, do you and, think and it's and that they're, black they're, and white, or because it seems sure. there's more nuance to mo- that? Yes, in the worst cases, it's what would happen where they're from. But that there's more nuance to it. That it doesn't have to either be institutionalized or die. People, poor people especially, we got them. We'll always have poor people. I always remember that Jesus said it. He said, we'll always have poor people. He was the best poor dude. And the reason we always have poor people is because we're here to learn. You can only learn in a physical universe. You cannot learn anything in a spiritual universe. In a spiritual universe, which we all are from, there's no up or down. There's no love or hate. There's no want or hunger. There's nothing. There just is. The only time you have, uh, it's in the physical universe. Now you have to eat. Now you have to drink. Now you have to breathe. Now you have to do these things. You have to learn all these things. And it doesn't matter where you learn them. It doesn't matter who feeds you. Like when I was in the hospital, I, 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 it was my mother that was bringing me the food. It was a nurse. And, and, and when I was in the home, it wasn't my mother and father, you know, putting the food on the table and saying, supper. No, it was... Uh, Hey, you better get up there or while there's some, still some food. You know, I never had, when I, when I was in the home, I was so young, I never had cereal. But do you think you are an exception or a rule? Because in the sense of like you had this challenging upbringing and, and I had one that was not idyllic. And here we are sitting together, yeah. thriving, you know, living. We wouldn't but, be here if it wasn't for our upbringing. But are you totally? But... Of other people like that had a similar upbringing, or, or if you had any peers or fellows within that system, do you think that they made something like their life resulted in something that is uh, uh, that would echo yours, or that they've actually sort of had one sort of misstep after the I, next? I had dinner with a self-made uh, billionaire, billionaire now. His life was so interesting, man. The King family, you know, the King family. They owned uh, Oprah, Wheel of Fortune, all those shows. Yeah. Zillionaires. He's a big mansion and, and thing. He started out in, in, in Boston running with the Irish mob. 
His first break, he got caught stealing cigarettes from a, they hijacked a truck. It was a, a gang. And the other two guys, uh, they, they got three years in jail. And uh, Richie got sent to, uh, he had a choice. The judge says, you can go to jail or, or, or go to the Army. And so he went to the Army. And he joined up, and he went to Vietnam. He went to Way, And he spent his entire thing in Way. He, he got shot in the mouth, and the bullet went through, took out a molar, and went through his cheek. Not a molar. <laughs> it's, one of, it's my favorite of all the teeth. <laughs> New advertisement for you. Strap up and let's get excited for an ad. Guys, are you familiar with Stitch Fix? Well, you should be. You want to know why? Because Stitch Fix is an online personal styling service that finds and delivers clothes, shoes, and accessories to fit your body, budget, and lifestyle. And listen, I've got a very specific body, okay? You don't want to know about my curves, but it's you know these curves can be dangerous, all right? In low light situations, if it's foggy, you could drive right off the road, okay, of my body. Anyway, when I went to Stitch Fix, it was so easy. All I had to do was sign up. I filled out this questionnaire, and I really felt like they were trying to figure out the best clothes for my body. And uh, and yeah, it just it couldn't have been easier. It wasn't one of those signups where like they ask what your blood type is and your mother's maiden name and your great grandmother's favorite hobby. Like it was super easy. It was like a couple steps. Boom, done. Signed up, and now I can't wait for my box of stuff. Just go to stitchfix.com/curious. Tell them your sizes, what styles you like, and how much you want to spend on each of them. You'll be paired with your very own personal stylist who will handpick five items to send right to your door. Then you try them on, you pay only for what you love, and return the rest. Shipping, exchanges, and returns are always free. Get started now at stitchfix.com slash curious, and you'll get an extra 25% off when you keep all five items in your box. That's stitchfix.com slash curious to get started today. Stitchfix.com slash curious. For people that aren't as, um, you know, uh, sort of informed about what happened in 2004, will you give us sort of like a play-by-play of the day of when you were arrested? I was busted in 03. Or sorry, 03. They came to the door here and the SWAT team. A SWAT team for Tommy Chong. They had helmets and automatic weapons. Banged on the door. The door was open. (laughs) And I came down, and I could see through the glass, and I see him there. And they look like trick-or-treaters, you know? I, I just love the image that Tommy Chong is the only <laughs> man in history who said to the SWAT team, It's open! Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's genius. I, did. I looked at him, and I said, wow, that's... So they come in, and they handed me a, a, a warrant. You know, we're here to search your house. And Okay. So they're running around, and they're searching. And it was really funny. I was like, I am a comedian. <laughs> so he says, he says, do you have any marijuana here? <laughs> I, I says, yeah, of course I have. And he said, where is it? I says, every room in the house. <laughs> yeah. He said, can you be more specific? I said, well, there's a butt on my um, workbench downstairs. And so he tells the guy, oh, go, go get it. <laughs> the guy runs down there. And then he runs back up. I can't find it, sir. And he says, well, where's your dogs? And I, oh, uh, no, we didn't bring the dogs. I said, what kind of narcs are you? Yeah. You come You're like, into a guy's house without dogs? Do we have any marijuana? Yes, we also have walls, doorknobs, 
and uh, some some flooring. I, I, I had the, I was I was cracking up because it was so it was it was ridiculous. They're running around and they're taking all my com- the computers in the house. They took all the computers and then they <laughs> then I'm, I'm in my jockey shorts. <laughs> And then the guy kept talking to me, and he kept looking at me. And he says, <laughs> tells his buddies, take Mr. Chung upstairs and get him some clothes. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay. So I went up, and I'm getting getting dressed, and there was a, a little safe. You know, it looked like a gun safe. The guy And the guy just looked at it, and he goes, what's in here? And I says, stuff, money. Open it up. So I opened it up. They're looking for weapons. Hmm. That's what they were searching for. They're looking for weapons. Had I had a a gun, I would have been gone for five years. But I I, I don't believe in guns, so I I never had a weapon. And and so they they took all my cash. It was all T-shirt money. They they took it. It was like I was being robbed, basically. And so they took the money. Then they took me downstairs. I'm dressed now. Then they started telling me, okay. Uh, we're in Operation Pipe Dreams, we're, and that's when I blew it. I really got pissed off because it was my son's company. I said, this is about bongs? I said, you're doing all this over bongs? And then they thought there was going to be some kind of fight, so they cleared off the, the, the dining room table or the coffee table. They moved everything else in case, in case there was going to be a brawl. You know, I said, really, bongs? And he says, you better phone a lawyer. Now, I'm surrounded by lawyers, but I couldn't think of one lawyer. You're like, this is a palisade, sir. <laughs> throw a, there's throw a, lawyer, a rock. Every, you throw a rock out here, and there's a, you'll hit a lawyer. And I could not think of a lawyer except my ex-manager, who is a divorce lawyer. So I called him, and they told him what was going on. And then they, then they, uh, and then Shelby, in the meantime, she what's going on? We're being busted, blah, blah, blah. She goes up and gets ready. She gets dressed, and she's just so cool. She's putting her makeup on, you know. She comes downstairs. She says, okay, honey, let's go. Let's go get some coffee. And the cop says, hey, wait, we're not finished here. And she, Shelby goes, are, are, are we under arrest? They said, no. Well, then we're going to go get some coffee. And, and they said, well, hold on just a minute. Why don't you go in the kitchen and make some? <laughs> now, she didn't say it, but I, I always, I, I embarrassed it a little bit. I said, she... She thought it anyway. She said, F you, I want my Starbucks. Yeah. And, uh, and then there was one girl there because they had to have a, a lady uh, present, you know, and, and she was with the post office. It was a post office bust, by the way, uh, shipping across the state line. That made it federal. And so they, they told the, the, po- the lady, why don't you go with her in the kitchen and make some coffee? And she said, I'm not going to make coffee she's like i work for the post office <laughs> like haven't i been humiliated enough and so so then the guy says okay that's a wrap we're wrapping up here and so they left and we did we went out and had our coffee <laughs> and were you in a state of were you dazed were no. you you weren't in shock at all it was, i'm a comedian it was like it ridiculous was, it was exciting it was fun it was exciting it was like oh great this is great but yeah. at that moment, could you have ever foreseen that you would have to go sit for nine months? No. No, I thought for sure. I mean, that's why we're selling bongs. I mean, how can that be illegal? 
Yeah. You know, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a water pipe. It's been around forever. I mean, there are stores yeah. everywhere. At the, at the time, yeah. At the time, we were doing tours. In fact, there's, we, got a t- we did a, a documentary called AKA Tommy Chong, and we got the, the government surveillance tape where they surveilled me in, uh, I think it was uh, uh, Texas, somewhere in Texas. And, uh, and the, the store owner knew they were narcs, so he had all his employees wear DEA t-shirts and stand next to the guys. And I still never got it. I, it did not dawn on me. And then the, the cops who were wearing headbands and backpacks, they said to me, uh, can we talk to you outside, sir? <laughs> I still didn't know they were dark. Thought they were so fans. I went outside. I'm sitting there talking to them. Now these pipes aren't really for 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 tobacco use only, are they? I said, I don't know. No. Yeah, these are the best pot pipes you'll ever buy. And then, can you say that again, sir? These. <laughs> it, was, it was. You're like, is this thing on? They're like, in fact, it is. <laughs> it was crazy, but no, I. And then I had to get a lawyer. You know, we get a defense lawyer. And then they said, uh, um, my defense lawyer, you know, the first thing they said is, you know, it's going to, I need a hundred thousand uh, dollar, you know, down payment. Retainer. Retainer. Bastards. And uh, right then I started getting a little, hmm, that's, that's kind of stiff. But we, we give them the money and then, uh, and then they wanted me to do an anti-drug commercial. Which I did, and, and it's so funny because it's it's an anti drug commercial done by Tommy Chong, and it sounds like a, a Cheech and Chong bit. Yeah. And so they they couldn't use that, <clears throat> and then I went to court, and uh, and then I then I it started getting this feeling that you know they're, <laughs> it's, they're getting a little serious. So I tried to write a, a note and saying that uh, that. Uh, yeah, I did wrong. I, you know, I, I feel bad for my actions and blah blah blah. And uh, and I showed it to my lawyer, and my lawyer said, "No, no, that that's not going to work." And so next thing I know, uh, they sentenced me to nine months. And were you floored? Kinda. Or did you have a a suspicion that perhaps you weren't going well, home? I had a choice. They told me that they knew that they didn't have a case against me. They only had a case against my son. And my daughter, I mean, his son and my wife, because my wife signed a check and my son, it was his company. And so they told me if I didn't uh, plead guilty, that they would go after them. And that, that's the government. This is the United States government. And so I said, you got me. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll plead guilty. Fall on the sword. And then when I was in court, they're reading the, the charge. And they said that Tommy Chong owned the company. And I said, hold on. I didn't, I don't own the company. The company is owned by my son. They said, sir, you said that, <laughs> you know, this is what you said. I said, okay, I did it. Uh, you know, yeah, it's my company. And then the only thing I had him change, he said, drug paraphernalia. And I said, I call them marijuana pipes. Yeah, let's and so they said, not dance okay. around. So they called it marijuana pipes. And, and then the judge said, nine months. And... Uh, and the girl, the, the prosecutor, uh, I forget her name now, she, uh, she was pretty happy. You know, she got a conviction. And, but she had, they had all said that I'd probably get house arrest. And I was happy as hell to get that, you know. Stay home for nine months, no problem. You know? Beautiful. But uh, I, I got it. And then, uh, uh, then a uh, month later, I, we took a, a Vanity Fair one to do a story on me. 
So they uh, paid for a limo to take me to jail. So I went to jail in a limo. And what was that 25th hour like, the, the half an hour, the hour approaching? Were you nervous? Were you, were you just sort of resigned to no, that? No, I was You knew of, you'd I be all right. I was kind of excited. I, I, I had a premonition all my life. I, I'd been, my, my, my family, you know, I'm from a very liberal kind of crazy family. <clears throat> and uh, I used to meet guys, like th this one guy that gave me this tattoo. This is a white supremacy tattoo, by the way. And uh, I didn't know it at the time. He said, uh, uh, it was, he only knew a couple of tattoos, and this is one of them. He was a biker he was in an outlaw gang, and he had been in prison. And, and so he would tell me all about we He could sing, and, and I'd play guitar, and he'd sing, and then tell me about prison. And then I had more friends that had got out of, you know, I made, our house was like a halfway house. And so I, there was always something connected with prison all my life, from the time I was about 15 years old. And so I, there was something. And then just before I went to jail, before the bust, I started watching uh, Shawshank Redemption. Every time it was on, I'd watch it. It was like there was something very cosmic going on. Great movie. And so it was, I was really destined to go to jail. And so when I went to jail, when I got in there, I was treated like a king, you know. It was incredible. They put a handcuffs on me just to walk through the gate to make it official. And after that, I was like free as a breeze, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to keep you all day. So I guess like my last question would be, was in finishing that experience and putting it behind you, what, what was some new self-knowledge that was gained out of that experience? Or, or Well, I turned it into a religious retreat, hmm. basically. Because I'd always been studying mythology, mystic. Uh, there's, a, there's a writer that I've been connected with. Uh, he's not around anymore, Joel S. Goldsmith. If you get a chance, check out his books, Infinite Way tons of books and so I was into that that mindset already <clears throat> and I was also dealing with the I Ching you know the Chinese book of changes and uh, and so in astrology and then I'd been with jazz musicians that turned me on to uh, the third eye which was uh, another uh, Tibetan book about afterlife and why we're here you know reincarnation and so I was really into that and then when I got into prison I um, got invited into the sweat lodge, the Lakota Native Sweat Lodge Society. <clears throat> and so we did the sweat lodge every Saturday. Uh, in prison? In prison, yeah. No way. Oh, yeah. Sounds they, like a spa. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's, it's a little heavier than that. It's a sweat lodge. <laughs> right. You know, but uh, yeah, every federal prison has to have a sweat lodge. It's mandated. Really? By law. And so, so I would spend actually most of my time at the sweat lodge because it was on the grounds it was surrounded it was so it was sacred property sacred ground animals snakes and lizards and birds and rabbits would come into the into the grounds knowing that it was sacred birds would be that that we could touch them snakes would crawl up alongside it was like it was really like a garden of eden it was uh, it was so holy and and then when when we in the in the lodge itself, you know, we played drums and and, and uh, chant ancient Lakota chants and 
And uh, it was, one time, the prison wanted to show up that there's still prison, you know. Okay, everybody in there, get out. Come on out. Yeah, we all had to get out there, stand there. <laughs> they can't search us because we were just in our shorts anyway, you know. We're all just dripping wet with sweat. And so they, they, they just wanted to show off their, their power, you know. And it was, like, it was like an intrusion. It was like having a party and the neighbor calls the cops on you. You know, so then after they left, then we went back and finished our sweat. That was it. That was the man, Tommy Chong. Thank you, sir, for doing the show. What a conversation. Am I right? The subjects covered. I mean, covered it all. Yes, informative. Um, guys, have an incredible week. I love y'all. This man a lot to me that <laughs> you listened and that you spent the entire hour plus with me josh peck the curious podcast wow so enjoy your week treat yourself do do something nice for yourself what do you think what are you on the fence about today whether or not to have lunch out were you gonna maybe pack a lunch because you're trying to you know save a couple shekels well look that's a good thing but also if you got the dough and you're like ah i don't have to go out for go out for lunch all right treat yourself have that burrito bowl or that, you know, uh, six-inch sub or the – is there a Cheesecake Factory near you? God, Cheesecake Factory is good. I love it. That brown bread, where do they get that from? What is that, like from a bakery in heaven? Like what? It's so good and they're so cute, those waiters and waitresses and those white outfits. It's so helpful. Uh, why am I giving Cheesecake Factory a free ad? They've never done anything for me. We're not in a fight, but – I mean, you know, here I am hawking their product. It'd be nice to be like, hey, here's a coupon for a free strawberry lemonade next time you come in. Thanks for your loyalty. Just saying, putting it out there. Anyway, I like the Buffalo Blast. Why, you didn't ask. Why am I even offering this information? I'm in a weird tangent. Guys, have an incredible week. Uh, love you. Thank you again for listening. You're the best. Okay, bye. <laughs>